Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back to our show. We have a special guest this week. We have Patrick from the Puck Guys uh, podcast. You can check him out on thepuckguys.com. Uh, also a Ducks fan as well. And uh, thanks for coming on the show, Patrick. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's great. We're excited to do this today. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you, you want to talk about an exciting week. Uh, the Ducks winning four games this week, uh, 11 in a row now, beating the Kings twice this past week. Eddie, and uh, I mean, you just can't be more excited. You go on the franchise winning streak and you knock out the Kings uh, for first place in the Pacific. Well, I mean, it's been a while since we've done a podcast. I mean, uh, because we had the trade deadline show and we were saying leading up to the, the first game against the Kings, they could, I mean, they could go into this first game uh, against LA and, and be on a seven game winning streak. And obviously they win that. Um, they continue on. We we don't get to go go on and you know discuss all the games that happen. And now we come out of this on an eleven game winning streak. And you know you got a, another hard game coming up. But it, you know you can't help but not be excited. I mean I don't think anybody expected them to to be in this position. I mean we all hoped they'd be in the playoffs. But to to be two points in front of LA and and you know they don't have any games in hand or anything. You, you're in sole position of that Pacific Division lead. It, it's just amazing to to see where they are right now. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the Pacific too, uh, the Ducks could still uh, take over the Western Conference. There's still a chance they've got some games in hand, Patrick. So there's uh, a lot more at stake now for Anaheim. Yeah, they're on like, quite a tear. I mean, I was just looking at the nose today to see how crazy it is because, I mean, as you guys know, first few months of the season, it was hard to be a Ducks fan. Um, <laughs> yes. it, was, it was tough sledding, but I mean, they've gone 25, four and two in their past 31 games. It's just been quite the ride out of uh, Christmas breaks. But I think the pivotal game for Anaheim coming up is is tomorrow. I mean, we'll see how they handle the Washington Capitals. I mean, they've been the darlings of the NHL this season. Uh, they're the best team in the East. And uh, the Ducks have struggled somewhat uh, against Eastern Conference teams. So I would like to see how they do against Ovi. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is going to be a, another huge test. I mean, every night's a test. But, I mean, you, you play L.A. twice in the last two weeks. Uh, you squeak by uh, Montreal. You have a physical battle with Arizona. Now you go into the high-scoring Capitals, who basically, I mean, they've played well the entire season, Eddie. I mean, this is going to be a test. And, of course, we're going to have to play them, you know, the very final game of the season due to all the weather and the uh, the game that was canceled earlier. So this should be a fun one tomorrow. Yeah, and, I mean, the Capitals have been good for a long time. And even going back to, to when Boudreaux was there and, and you know, they're – they're making it close to the Stanley Cup Finals. They just couldn't get there. And I think the only issue for them leading up to this season was they didn't have a, a number one elite goaltender. And, I mean, there was always questions if, if Holtby was going to be that guy who would jump into the role. And I, I think there's no question this year that he, he's probably the best goalie uh, this season. And it's shown. I, I mean, they've always scored goals. Uh, you know, you know bringing in Holtby, shoring up that defense. Niskan and Orpik have stepped up this season. John Carlson has, has been amazing for them. And, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people handing Chicago the cup after that lad trade uh, are kind of forgetting, uh, you know, the the role that that Washington's been all season. I mean, they've just been so consistent. Yeah, I mean, they like you said, they've been on fire. I haven't seen any problems with that team, so it's going to be an interesting one. And like you said, it, it's big for Boudreaux too. He's got 199 wins now as an Anaheim Ducks coach. He's going for his 200th 
tomorrow against his old team, Patrick. I mean, you know that there's going to be some extra motivation for this game. Oh, he's got to have that going for him. He's going to get number 200 tomorrow. I mean, he just hit 400. He was the fa- or not the fastest coach, but it's, he's or not the youngest, but the fastest of 400. He did it in what, only 663 games. So it's, it's a big day for Brucey, and uh, let's hope he has the guys running for him tomorrow. Yeah, and you know, what a turnaround, too. I mean, you, you saw a lot of people in the beginning of the season, you know, heavily critical of Murray and keeping Boudreaux. And, and I mean, you got to give Murray some credit, Eddie. He sticks with Boudreaux. He turns his team around. Obviously, uh, some moves that we'll talk about, too, with some of the players. But, I mean, that's pretty pretty ballsy by Murray. And, uh, you know, he, did, he came through on the trade deadline again, too, as well. Yeah, and you know this is what we talked about too at the early part of the season when I mean a lot of people are calling for Bruce Boudreaux to be fired and and really though who who is going to replace him? I mean who out there is better? Um, even with the struggles in the beginning of the season, you know he he is now the fastest coach to to 400 wins. He has the highest uh, points percentage of any coach all time. Uh, to play more than 300 games, he's sitting just above Scotty Bowman, which, I mean, he still has a lot of games to catch him, but, I mean, to, to, to sit anywhere close to him is just amazing. And, it sh- yeah, like you said, it, sh- it shows the faith that, that uh, Bob Murray had in his coach. And, and it, you know, it really lit a fire under, his, under the players saying, I mean, this is the guy you're going to have to play for. It's all on you guys and, you know, play for him. What did you guys think of uh, all the all the, the stuff out there about get Randy Carlisle back when you mentioned there a minute ago about about the firing of Bruce <laughs> Boudreaux? I mean, how much of a of a laugh did you guys have when media was actually saying, "Are they going to bring Carlisle back to coach the Ducks?" Uh, yeah, Eddie and I talked about this, and we we I think we shot that one down in about two point five seconds. Uh, uh, you know, going back, people forget that when Carlisle was there, Getzloff and Perry did not get along with him. So, I mean, why would you bring back another coach that doesn't get along with your two all-stars? And Eddie can piggyback on that. I mean, we, we both said resoundingly, no. Yeah, I think I've seen enough of him uh, here, too. Obviously, we saw him in Anaheim, but then seeing him in, in, in Toronto and, and how he kind of handled the situation there and, and, and how it all went with, with the Leafs. It, it wasn't a pretty situation. And, and you know, just imagining the, the fact that he might be back in Anaheim was scary enough. <laughs> Everyone seems to love him because he has that cup, but the people tend to forget that uh, Chris Pronger and Scott Niedermeyer are also on that team. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of different reasons why we won. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still thankful that we won and he was the coach. But, you know, just you know how it is as time goes on. Sometimes uh, players change and, and, and the way that the relationships with the coaches go, it just, you know, just didn't work out. So I'm glad that Murray stuck with Boudreaux. And uh, I like some of the moves that he did, too, on this trade deadline. I know, uh, Patrick, we talked about this before the show. Um, this was a little bit before the trade deadline. But how much do you love David Perron? Uh, it's, it's that instant chemistry he's had with Ryan Getzloff that's pretty much made the difference for me. Um, I, mean, I mean, how many games has it been, guys, that, uh, that Bruce has been able to split up Perry and Getzloff and be able to rely on them? I mean, of course, they play together on occasion. But having David Perron, he gets in, uh, you know, especially Quick's face. And they showed some highlights of that yesterday. And then they also had those when he was with the Blues. He's got a history. So it's a perfect fit in Anaheim. He plays the style, goes to the front of the night. He gets some goals. But uh, that chemistry with what was, uh, for me is what really matters the most to the Ducks. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about a guy that's been rolling. He's played 21 games with the Ducks this season, Eddie. And he's got 18 points, 8 goals, and 10 assists. I mean... <laughs> I, I was, I'm speechless. I mean, I, we knew that he could do well and play and go towards the net, but I mean, this has got to be, you know, a, a far exceeding expectations. 
Yeah, and I mean, looking at, at the center he plays, I, I believe when he was in St. Louis, uh, he would have had the chance to play with, with David Backus, and, and they play, he plays a similar type of game to, to Ryan Getzloff. He slows the play down, he's physical, you know, he can make a pass, and, and that's what suits him. I mean, you see him go to Pittsburgh, and he has to play with Malkin, and, and he has to play with Crosby, and you know, those guys are explosive skaters, they get up the rink fast. You know they don't forecheck as much uh, as a guy that gets up with it, and it helps his play. I mean, it's been an amazing start for him. He'd be a guy you would expect that they would be, you know, pushing hard to resign at the end of the season, and he's definitely earned that. I agree, and you know they also brought in McGinn, and McGinn got two goals in his first two games. Patrick, so I'm sitting there going, "Holy crap, Murray! Like you got a crystal ball? Or what, what are you doing when you're picking these guys? It's like he knows." It's great. I mean, that that was awesome for Jimmy McGinn to come over to Anaheim and, and uh, be able to produce right away. I'm sure that's huge for, for him. Um, it's just been just a great turnaround in this season, and he just adds to it. I mean, I know we lost Patty Maroon there, uh, he's, and McGinn's able to slot right in and take over that role. So it's just been really good for the Ducks moving forward with him. Let's you just hope this continues here as we roll into the playoffs. You know, this kind of brings us to, to one fan question, too. Uh, we had Alex was asking us about the you know the fourth line on the team. Because if you look at the team right now, they've been playing with everybody. They had Richie up, and uh, they've been rolling. But, you know, we're going to get a lot of players back. Uh, we have Korkoff that's going to come back. Uh, Paris should be ready pretty soon. Uh, see how he's going to do. And, I mean, we're going to have to put all these players back in the lineup and try and figure it out. So, you know, one question we have is about the fourth line, Eddie. Um, kind of how you see maybe that going. I mean, it seems like the other three lines are pretty consistent. Maybe Richie goes down, but what do you think? Yeah, you would expect uh, when a guy like Peary comes in, he'd get a shot to play uh, in a top six role, and, and you know maybe that moves down. Santarellia, I, I believe they, they think they could you know put a little bit more skill um, on that top line with Getzlaff and Prawn. Not that Santarellia ha- hasn't done well. I mean, he's, he's done extremely well for him up on that top line, but... Uh, it, it gives you a little more flexibility. I mean, we saw it uh, in the playoffs last year, and, and and being able to scratch guys, you know, uh, and put in maybe some faster guys like Peary, or or you know Santarelli, or or if you want to be you know tougher, you put in Thompson or Horkoff or, or Horkoff or Garbage, and and it gives you you know if, if we didn't already be able to match up against a lot of teams, now you have you know throughout the whole line to be able to match up against uh, more teams, in, in, you know, in a more efficient way. Yeah, and I mean, look at the depth, Patrick, going into the playoffs now. Once these guys come back, you get Horkoff back from the suspension, Hurry back from the injury. You also have Stewart, too, that's out there. I mean, this is a team that's going to have plenty of options uh, on their forward lines. Yeah, I'm really interested, too, to see where uh, Peary's going to fit in or all this. It'll be great to have Stewie back. He has that level of toughness, and he's got he's got hands for a big guy, too. But I'm really curious to see how Peary's going to sit in on that because a lot of people compare him to a Carl Hagelin with that kind of speed and skill, and he didn't really necessarily work out here. But, you know, the sixth-round pick, you know, option for Murray on that was was a great move. So it was worth the risk. And uh, I'm just – I mean, what do you, how do you guys feel he's going to slot in there? I know you said a little bit on the offensive side, but do you think he's kind of got his same game as a Hagelin, or do you think he provides a little more for the Ducks? Yeah, that that's kind of what I'm thinking is more like a Hagelin type thing. But then again, we also had Sakach, and Sakach didn't work out either. So – I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting if they do try to put him, you know, maybe up uh, on another line, like pull Richie off and move him uh, on one of those lines. But I don't know. He, he may uh, go back down towards more of a fourth line role. Uh, what do you think, Eddie? Um, I kind of compare him a little bit. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get carried away, but to, to how Silverberg plays. I mean, I haven't seen him, um, 
him with like how good he is with the back check. I, I know they put him in a checking role for most of the season this year, but he, he has a really good shot. He did, you know, he scored 22 goals last year for Florida. Had a, a Cy Young type of year with 22 goals and, and two assists. So, I mean, he can definitely shoot the puck. He, he had a couple opportunities with with Yager and Barkov this year, and you know, I think he could benefit from playing with with Getzloff and Perron. You know, be like you said, maybe that that type of haggling guy who has a little bit of speed and skill to the line. But uh, I think he can definitely shoot the puck a little bit better, and you know, maybe he'll he'll have a similar impact to to how Silverberg does. Yeah, and uh, you know another fan question that kind of ties into all this. We're talking about all the players coming back and going towards the playoffs. You know, uh, we have Michael that asks about the playoffs, and you know, how do you think the Ducks will do in the playoffs, trying to go towards the Stanley Cup? And uh, what are your thoughts, Patrick? You know, each year we've gone up. You know, we went with the first round, the second round, Western Conference Final. Uh, you know, obviously coming up a game short. Um, what's your take on the, the playoffs as the Ducks are going down the final stretch of the season? I mean, I think it's obviously it's a it's a two team race out of the Pacific between uh, the Ducks and the Kings. I think uh, those those two teams are obviously the tops for me. And then you got to look at the Central a little closer though, because yeah, I mean, it's it's you're looking a lot. Everyone's looking at a lot of Chicago, as you guys mentioned earlier, with Andrew Ladd coming back. Uh, I know they picked up uh, a couple other players there at the deadline to kind of beef up their roster, but people forget St. Louis is a really good team and they're going to start getting healthy. And I think right now no one's really watching them or talking much about them. I think that's a, that's a team that uh, could be dangerous come playoff time. But uh, I think anybody that comes out of uh, this, <laughs> the first round, which is most likely going to be you know, the, the softer round, you're going to have uh, either LA or Chicago waiting at your door next. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be tough. I mean, you look at the first round right now. I mean, obviously the ducks are in, in first. So, I mean, if they, we're to hold that, and obviously there's a lot of hockey left. Uh, you know, I don't want to assume because uh, you know we got to see what happens here. But say that the playoffs did start today. I mean, you're looking at the wild card spot, and you're looking at Nashville, Minnesota. I mean, that's you know you're, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at they would play Minnesota, which again, Minnesota's no slouch either. Eddie and I have talked about this. The Central Division is no joke. Um, you know, they've got Dallas that's playing well too. St. Louis, Chicago, Nashville. So. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if the Ducks finish first and then play a wild card out of the Central, or do they go in second and maybe play the Sharks, Eddie? Yeah, I, I think most of the season we've been expecting the Ducks to have to play the Sharks and, and have a Pacific Division battle in the first round, and then now with this amazing run and, and being able to pick up first in, in the Pacific Division, and you know now they're aiming for, for first in the Western Conference, you're, you're looking at one of those bottom Central teams, and, and yeah, like you said, those still aren't easy opponents. Nashville is a very good team. Uh, you know, all it takes them is Rene to get on a roll. Uh, Philip Forsberg's been scoring at will for them right now, which is which is something they need. And you know, picking up Ryan Johansson was one of the best uh, uh, deals of the year for for any team. And and then you've got Minnesota as well, and, and Colorado still creeping around there. And you know, you would expect us to to play one of those three teams if we can hold on to to this Pacific Division spot uh, right now. And, and none of them are easy. I mean, I mean, like the Central Division has, has been stacked all year, and, and it's going to be hard whoever we face. You know, if you had to pick a team, Patrick, who would you pick that you'd want the Ducks to play in the first round? Not saying that they'd be easy, but maybe it's the team you know you'd think that would be their best matchup uh, in the first round. Uh, for me, that that's it's easy. I, I would love to have Minnesota first round. I think that that if you're going to draw that up here with a wild card, I would love the Ducks to get another Pacific Division title and go ahead and take on Minnesota there. Or Colorado, those two teams would be the easier of the teams that they could play. I would not want to play Nashville. I know that uh, they've been kind of up and down. But uh, Pecorine is just, that guy's a giant in net. And all he asked to do was get hot. 
And mm-hmm. uh, like it's like Eddie was saying, Philip Forsberg scoring at will, and they and they really just they have the depth there now. And I would not want to face them in the first round. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Minnesota and Colorado are likely choices, and I'd rather have L.A. and San Jose beat each other up, hopefully in a seven-game series, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, if I could pick, I'd like to play Edmonton in the first round, but I know they're not going to make the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Minnesota would be ideal. Uh, I mean, you know, when it gets hot, then you know, it's it's pretty much uh, you know a battling series for seven games. And you know, Minnesota's no slouch. They, they, I believe, they beat St. Louis um, in the first round last year, and and that was a big surprise. So, uh, but I, I think uh, you never know with Dubnik. Um, you know, he's he's kind of streaky. The the team itself doesn't have a number one center, and I think that matches up. You know very well for for guys like Getzlaff and, and Kessler. I mean, I mean, you shut down one line, and, and they don't have much else that they can throw at you. So I, I think that would be uh, the team that you you'd want to face in the first round. Yeah, and you know, you you talk about the lines there for a little bit. I, I think that's you know something going back to this win streak. It's been a key for the Ducks. You know, when they split up uh, Perry and Getzlaff in the beginning, of course, there was a lot of questions. What should we do? Um, then you bring in Perron, you put him with Getzlaff. Now you've got the three lines rolling. You've got the Kessler line, the Raquel line, or, or the Perry line, however you want to call it, and then obviously the Getzoff line. I mean, how much importance do you think this is going into the playoffs, Patrick, with these three lines making it you know, a, a defensive nightmare for opposing coaches? I mean, and not only the defensive all these guys could score, and it's and I think one of the best things about the Ducks right now, too, with that depth is, Kessler, I talked about it yesterday. Everyone was really impressed with Raquel's game, but Kessler has the hardest minutes shutting down the, the league's top opponents every single night, and he's able to score. Uh, Leano's another great guy. I mean, if he had Perry's hands, like that kid would have 40 goals a season. Um, it's it's just awesome for the Ducks to have that center depth, and going into the playoffs, that's key. You want to match up that, like that. And the Ducks have, as you guys have said all season, I'm sure, they have a plethora of centers, and that's just something the Ducks are really strong on right now. And I, I just see them – I mean, you don't want to play Anaheim in the playoffs, and especially you don't want to play them in the first round. So if they got Minnesota, I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, I, I agree. And like you said, there, there's tons of centers. I didn't I talked about it. You know, we even had Wagner come up yesterday, but then he went back down because Getzloff ended up playing. I mean, that's just how much depth, Eddie, that uh, the Ducks have at center. Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of criticism on Kessler. Uh, you know, not so much within the Ducks organization, organization as outside on his contract and is he w- really worth it. But, I mean, there's not too many centers in the league. And, and uh, you know, I'm struggling right now to, to name one that, that can shut down you know, all-star players better than Ryan Kessler can. And, and that's what you need. I, I mean, this team without him uh, is a lot difficult. It's a lot easier to match up against. Uh, I, I mean, you get, because of Ryan Kessler, you get, you know, Getzloff in his line against a better matchup. You get Raquel and Perry against a better matchup. And, and it benefits the whole team. And, and you know, without him, uh, this team has a, a, a lot different uh, of a makeup. Yeah, and you made a good point there. I mean, not not only is he going against, you know, these star guys and stuff, but I mean, he's shutting down rookies too. He's taking on McDavid, you know, and he's taking on these guys and he's uh, taking them out of the mix as well, Patrick. Yeah, he's had that job all year, and that's just kind of the way his career's gone. Is is he's a solid two way player? That's what he prides his game on. Um, he's definitely has not performed offensively as at high as high of a clip as he has in, in the past. But I, I really think that he's been one of those players for the Ducks that has just grinded all year. He's performed for them all year. And as a Ducks fan, um, and it's like you were saying, not a lot of criticism has come out, you know, come from within the Ducks organization on that contract. But if you're going to pay to win now, 
he's the guy that you want to have on your team. He's nasty, but he can score. He plays good defense. He's like, right now, he's probably my favorite player on the Ducks. <laughs> if I had to pick, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you, you talk about nasty. How about the game against the Kings? Actually, both games this week, especially last night's game, first period, they go after Perry again, which they did in the other one. And you just see this melee on the ice. I mean, it was so crazy to see uh, Bieksa going at it. Then you had Raquel out of nowhere who never fights in this entire history. I was talking to some people. They were saying in the minors he never even fought. Then you see him go at it. Uh, Versteeg gets introduced to the rivalry of the Ducks and Kings yesterday, and he only gets to see about two minutes of ice time. I mean, that was just a crazy first period, Eddie, yesterday. Yeah, and, and right now it, it's really hard to, to name a better rivalry than, than the Ducks and Kings. I mean, both teams are, are Stanley Cup contenders. They play each other hard. Every game is physical. And, and you know, I, I mean, the Ducks, in, in, night in and night out against any team, they create rivalries. I mean, we have to say that game against Arizona was very physical. The game against Montreal and two teams you wouldn't expect it to be a physical you know, battling hockey game, that was, that was as well. And, I, you know, the Ducks have a lot of players that get under your skin, and, and it just comes out even more in, in games against the Kings. And, yeah, I, I mean, Perry in, in general and even Raquel getting on in on the action, you know, those games are always full of it. And, and it, it's something we've just come to expect now. You know, what was impressive too yesterday is not only did the Ducks win, Patrick, but don't forget, Bieksa was out the beginning of the game. So the Ducks had to rotate five defensemen for, you know, basically 50-something minutes uh, of the game. So, I mean, you got to tip your hat off to the Ducks for that. I mean, they had to withstand six power plays. Uh, you know, obviously they gave up two goals, which isn't terrible. But, I mean, that's pretty good when you've got to rely on only five guys to play almost a you know, full uh, 60 minutes of hockey. No, absolutely. And I was I was uh, at first kind of blown away that they got tossed out of the game. But then I remember, yeah, if there's already a fight going on and then you start another fight, those are the guys who get ejected. And exactly. it was beneficial for the Kings at that point because the Ducks lose a top defenseman and all they lose is, was it uh, Andreoff? He was the other guy who got the 10-minute, or not the 10-minute, but the game misconduct? Correct. So, yeah, I mean, the Ducks, I mean, it just goes to show you, though. They work, they're working well as a team. Um, they grind through everything, through adversity. They got to stay out of the box because eventually that's going to start to hurt them come playoff time to keep taking penalties. But the other teams got to do the same thing too because this power play is running out of clip. I think it was forty five percent. I want to say something like that. Yeah, it was like forty four point six or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, so this this power play is just shown right now to be unstoppable. Yeah, I'm looking up right now. They're they are nineteen for forty two. That's just incredible to me. I don't know how good that power play is for the Ducks, but I would love to see them stay out of the box. You gotta love that energy last night too. I know, uh, I know you guys probably like old time hockey like I do, getting seeing a scrap. And then how about that uppercut on Verstig there by Raquel? Oh yeah, I mean that was a, that was a nice hit there. I mean he he also gave him some jabs in the ribs there too. It looked like, and I don't know if that was what the injury was. I I didn't really hear a final say on what happened to Verstig, but you gotta believe it was either his. His chin, his head, his ribs, I don't know. Raquel basically just went at him. So um, it, it had to be something like that. And, you know, another thing, uh, we talked about this back in the beginning of the season too, uh, Eddie. You remember this. We talked about the Ducks being the, uh, you know, the fighting team. Um, and right now the Ducks are tied with the Blue Jackets in the league for 35 total fights in the season. How about that, Eddie? They're pretty much doing everything and, and they can to try and lead in, in every category in the league right now. They're, they're in the top for face-offs, for penalty kill, for power play. 
you know, goals against they're near the top. Uh, obviously, with the bad start of the season, they're still uh, closer to the bottom in, in goals for per game. I mean, they're starting to catch up. And like you said, fights and I'm sure penalties taken and penalty minutes, they're, they're close to the top too. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a complete team. They're, they're doing everything they, they can uh, against every team every night. And, and you, you know, you're seeing it uh, on a regular basis now with, with them winning 11 games in a row. Let's start the playoffs I, tomorrow. I'll keep this thing going. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, we are ready. We are so ready, Patrick. I mean, uh, definitely. I think, you know, the only real concern, you brought it up, Patrick, and, and I've written about this too, and Eddie and I also talked about this, was the penalty kill. I mean, obviously the penalty kill is still tops in the league. They're still uh, third as of today at 86.2%. But um, they've had a streak there of giving up a lot of, uh, you know, power play goals. So, that's my only real concern with the team right now, Patrick, is is the penalty kill, if I had to pick something. Yeah, and that's just because it gets tighter it gets come tight. playoff time. And when, yeah. you, when you get a power play chance, you really got to make the most of that in the playoffs, and the Ducks are just going to have to start staying out of the box and not get frustrated if that starts to happen here coming come playoff time. But right now, I'm ready to go. We can start this tomorrow. I'd be there at Honda Center ready to rock. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's how we feel. We're like, can we just finish this last month now and just fast forward to April? You know, let's just get this done. You know, you don't want that momentum to slow. You want to keep this thing moving. You know, you know, and talking about the momentum, are you concerned about that? You know, some some fans have asked me this last couple of weeks, or you know, mentioned the topic. They go, "Hey, you know, I love how the Ducks are doing. You know, the, the eleven games in a row. It's you know, this is awesome, and and et cetera, et cetera." But some of the fans have said, "You know, I'm kind of concerned. Do you think that they're going to slump towards the playoffs? What do you think about that, Patrick?" I think as fans, we we look too much into 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 the things like that. I I believe that these guys are professionals. They've done this since they were kids. They've been playing in a professional league for years. These coaches know what they're doing. The preparation is going to be there. I think that if we as fans, we look too critical at things like this. They go, "Oh, you got to get hot at the right time." Like that's nice, but I, I believe these guys know how to win, and they've really turned this season around since December. I don't have a problem with this team. I mean, they're eventually going to lose a game. I mean, unless they go on some ridiculously long streak here. But uh, you just got to look at it that way, that they're a top team playing the best competition there is right now, and they're they're going right through them. So I don't have a problem with this come playoff time. The Ducks know how to get it done. What do you think, Eddie? Do you think you worried at all if they uh, you know go into a slump or they peak too much? No, no, I, I completely agree with Patrick on that. I, I mean, like you said, these guys know how to win. Uh, I mean, they could – you know they could lose tomorrow, and I don't think it matter. They'd get right back on their horses, and and they'd be ready to go. And um, I mean, you wouldn't expect them to to go into the playoffs. Like maybe if they go into the playoffs losing five games in a row, you'd be a little bit concerned. But I mean, there, there's no way they they go and they end up having a 29 game win streak come playoff time. So eventually they're gonna lose. But like I said, they'll they'll get back on their horses and they'll be ready to go. You know what I've been impressed about too is not only have the Ducks around on offense and a lot of it's been hey the offense hey the offense they've been scoring goals they've been blowing people out you know doing all these other things but you know what they've been winning the close games too i mean you look at some of these games uh the edmonton last week that they played and uh, buffalo last week you look at montreal this week they've had some close games the kings games have been you know close to one or two goals so you know one thing i like patrick is that the ducks have won the close ones because as you know come playoff time the Ducks aren't going to be beating everybody four to one, five to one. They're going to be three to two, two to one, those kind of games. No, it's true. It's nice not to have that league, uh, you know, leading one goal game winners. It's nice to know that we can blow teams up too. But you got to win the close ones. You're absolutely right. And, and come playoff time, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, those all those games are usually pretty close, unless there's a uh, you know a huge mismatch or a disparity in power plays. 
So it's good to see the Ducks are winning the close ones and uh, kind of gear them up and get them ready for the playoffs. But, I mean, I just can't say enough good things. It's, it, thank God this is a Ducks podcast because, man, we, would, we sound like homers, but it's hard not to when the Ducks are playing this well. Oh, definitely. I mean, and it was, I'll tell you, Eddie and I were probably like you, we were struggling in the beginning as far as, you know, the responses we were getting. Because, you know, obviously the, the franchise worst uh, start going back to the 96-97 season when they also started 1-7-2. And two, and uh, after that, we were like, oh, man, are we going to still have a podcast at the end of the season? It's <laughs> continuing. And we were like, oh, man, I hope they turn around because uh, Eddie can attest to this. It, it was rough sledding. I would say October through probably mid-November, Eddie. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's been rough all season, and, and but we mentioned this way back, I think, as early as November when they were still struggling. I mean, they were playing playoff hockey. They just weren't scoring goals. They were playing great defense. I know Boudreaux changed the style around, and, and that's how you have to, to win games, and, and that's how you win cups. If you look at, I believe, over the last five years, the, the teams that have won the cup have been at least one, two, or three in goals against per game, and, and we're up there now, and, and I think this is the first time in a while the Ducks have, have been so good defensively. The offense is eventually going to come. We have the guys. The team knew that. You know, Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler, Raquel, these guys are, are eventually going to start putting up points, and you know, if you, you commit to this defensive style, it, it, it's how you win games. Yeah, that's every sport, football, baseball, basketball, whatever, hockey. I mean, you know, defense wins. And, you know, another big thing, and this has been a topic all season long, has been the goalie situation, you know, with Gibson and Anderson. Um, what do you think, Patrick, uh, going into the playoffs? You know, I, I went to a um, the Ducks diehards party, and Boudreaux was talking about the goalies, and he basically said he was going to rotate both and then, you know, make a decision closer to the playoffs. Uh, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Uh, you know, we've got to have a, a guy going into the playoffs that's going to be the number one. Um, uh, what do you feel? Uh, it's nice to think that uh, that you that you have, uh, you know, Martin Verder starting as we talked before the podcast. That every night he's going to give you, you know, that kind of goaltending. But I mean, that's just not the NHL anymore. You you got to have two guys that could, that are capable. I mean, yeah, you could have a one A who's going to play most of your games. You're going to rely on him for the net. I mean, at this point with the Ducks, I mean, Freddie and Gibby are both playing out of their mind right now, and it's hard to pick as which one's going to you know going to be starting. I believe he's going to go with the hot hand, which you know as he should. But look at the situation right now in uh, New Jersey. Uh, Corey Schneider got hurt, and they got Thomas Kincaid in that. If that was a playoff team. If that was a long-term injury, what are you going to do? Or look at the situation in Montreal. Uh, you you really have to consider what the Ducks would have traded Frederick Anderson. Is Anton Kadobin going to help the Ducks win a cup if, if Gibby goes down? Probably no not. So yeah. I just think the Ducks need to uh, you know keep all these guys going, which they did. They didn't make any rash moves at the deadline, and I think this is the chance for the Ducks to win now. And uh, I love the two goaltender situation. Yeah, I completely agree. Your thoughts on that, Eddie? Yeah, I mean, right now, this would have to be probably the best goalie tandem in the league. I mean, Freddie and Gibson are, are both in the top 10 for goals against average and in the, the top 20 uh, in save percentage. And, I mean, it, it's hard to, to look across the league and, and say there's any two better you know, goalie tandem in the league. And, and, yeah, I mean, you look at some of the guys who do start 60 games. I mean, Ben Bishop is going to probably start 60 games for Tampa this year. And, I mean, they are doing better now. And, and Schneider is probably going to start the most games he's, he's played 55 games and if any of those guys go down with injuries i mean you could look at washington too if, if hope goes down i mean uh then you're done for the season i mean a good example of that this year is montreal and Carey price i mean when they had him um at the beginning of the season they were unstoppable they started out so well uh they lost him and they were still doing okay because 
Condon stepped up and, and was riding the hype for a bit there, and now look where they are without him. I mean, they're most likely going to miss the playoffs, and, and being able to have two guys um, in case one goes down, because, I mean, the chances of both going down um, is slim to none. So uh, I think it, it's really important to have you know two top-quality goalies. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, we, t- we talked about this, too, before, is, okay, if you uh, deal Anderson you know, around trade deadline time, we, we had talked about scenarios about this, and, and Patrick, you probably agree, too. We said, hey, if you're going to send out Anderson, then you better get somebody else and another goalie back, uh, someone that's going to be a quality uh, backup if you're going to roll with Gibson all the way through. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely would have to do something like that. I mean, as, as we just talked about, I mean, you can't rely on Kadobin. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he's, he's not the guy you want to rely on come uh, Stanley Cup playoff time. Um, I think the biggest issue, too, I know we've already talked about it, so I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the RFA situation this summer coming up, um, and they got some, they got to open the purse strings here eventually and start paying these guys. That's going to be the real question here. I mean, if you're going to move Frederick Anderson or you're going to make a team-changing decision, we're going to have to look at the draft, and that's going to be the, the focal point here, I think, coming up this summer once we get to the playoffs, hopefully with the Stanley Cup ring here coming in Anaheim. Then we can look at uh, who we're going to resign, and if not, I, I believe that's where Freddie's going to move. Because I don't, I mean, honestly, guys, I'd love to keep him, but if he's going to command four to five mil, that's a lot. You're going to have eight million dollars plus locked up in goaltending. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be tough, and I mean, I think Edo will agree too. We talked about this. It really looks like Lindholm and Raquel would be your your two primary guys to go after. Then you'd have to figure out with Vatten and Anderson. And it's going to be a tough situation. I mean, you'd like to keep all four, of course. But, you know, Eddie, realistically, I I think maybe they only keep two out of four. If we're lucky, maybe three. Yeah, and, you know, as much as it is, uh, you know, the cap it as well, it's term. And and I believe Gibson is signed for two more seasons after this at 2.3. And if Freddie wants four or five, you can guarantee that he wants four or five for more than two years. Um, And you're going to have to look at signing Gibson for close it to if not more than that depending on how well he's playing in the future for for more than what freddie's getting so you know raquel and lindholm those are our future guys i think those are the guys you have to sign right now um i i believe we have the depth to trade a guy like rotten and i mean theodore we would all hope and expect to be in the nhl next year uh then montour can come up and, and take the position that theodore is playing this year where you know he has brief appearances for injuries he can come up he can you know play in the power play play some some you know softer minutes than than you would uh, you would if he was a full time guy, and, and maybe we don't really feel the impact of losing a guy like Vaughn. And I mean we'll all have to wait and, and see in the future. But you know then it comes down to, to signing a guy like Freddie, and you have to decide you know who will who will you benefit from having? You know, will you benefit from having a guy like David Perron and signing him for a longer term, or will you benefit from having you know two starting goalies? Yeah, I agree, and that, you know that's an interesting uh, situation, Patrick. You know we talked about this too before the show. If you uh, keep Raquel and Lindholm, then what do you do? I mean, you've got some UFAs on this team. Uh, you know, Stewart, Santarelli, Garbett, Perron. I mean, maybe you try to keep two or three of those guys instead of locking up so much money into Anderson. Yeah, I, I mean, like I was saying, I'm not sure Anderson's going to be here uh, post, uh, post-draft, post but I think that if you're going to open the open the, the wallet there, you got to pay Lindholm. And uh, you got to pay Raquel. Just those are two really good young players. Raquel has got uh, you know permanent top six winger written all over him, and Lindholm. I mean, he's really, really something special here in Anaheim, and it would just be really a bad decision for the 
management team to get rid of him and uh, decide go over Votnin instead. I mean, as much as I love Sammy, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly there on Lindholm. Um, but when it comes to the UFAs, you're looking at uh, a couple of people there too. And then we'll, we'll kind of see how Jamie McGinn works out. I know he's a UFA after this season, I believe. Uh, but David Perron's the guy. That's the guy you got to resign. Uh, he's still under 30. And uh, he's performing really well for Anaheim, and I think he's really pushing hard here for another contract. So we'll see how it goes there. But he's he's my guy if you're going to open it up. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, the way Perron's played has just been ridiculous, especially with being able to not only play with Getzloff, but now you separate Perry and Getzloff and give more of a balanced attack, Eddie. Yeah, and, and you know, just a quick thing too on, on Vaughn and Anderson. I mean, their value right now is probably at the highest it's ever been, and, and you have them. You know, locked in as RFA, so you're able to move them at the draft, which is you know a luxury that a lot of teams don't have. And if you sign them, you know, I mean, eventually they'll be UFAs, and it might be a little bit harder to deal them. So I think, you know, being able to you know trade these guys possibly to to move up in the draft or or for some prospects to to replenish the 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 forward pool and and get some guys in for the future. Because I mean, Getzoff and and Perry and, and Kessler are going to be 31 starting next year. So you're going to have to start, you know, looking to the future and replacing those guys. So I think, you know, moving these guys out when we have the depth and the ability to and bringing them some prospects is never going to hurt. Yeah, and, you know, speaking about uh, all the different players, Getzloff, uh, Perry Kessler and whatnot, we have the uh, shifting gears here. We have the World Cup coming up, and uh, several of these players have been named to it. We had uh, Getzloff with Team Canada. Kessler with Team USA, Botnin Team Finland, Anderson with Team Europe, and then uh, Gibson with Team North America. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Patrick? I mean, you know, we got five guys in there. Some people were upset that some other players weren't in there, but uh, you know, obviously, some of the rosters are still going to be filled. But uh, what do you think so far? Oh, I got to ask you guys real quick too about that. How about those jerseys for North America? I'm digging those black jerseys. <laughs> All those young kids wearing the black jerseys. They're the yeah. underdogs. That. I'm buying a Gibson jersey with that. That's that's like my favorite out the gate. Uh, but no, I think it's great. I think this uh, the World Cup's going to be awesome. I'm glad to see the Ducks players nominated for it. I think Perry's going to have, you know, a little bit of a little bit of pride there. He's going to work hard. Yeah, they've got some more roster spots open, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if, if he doesn't make it. What do you think, Eddie? You know, the, there's still Fowler out there, Raquel Lindholm as well. What do you think as far as them making it? Uh, I definitely think Perry's a lock to make it. I mean, the, you look at the two big names that didn't get put on that initial roster, and it's Giroux and Perry. And you know, Perry was in Sochi, Drew wasn't. I, I think Perry, you know, just just even for the chemistry he has with Getzloff and, and the way he's been playing this season, and you know, in his past with with the Olympic team, and you know, he's played on, on on Team Canada with Mike Babcock before. I, I'm sure that they'll they'll add him in uh, in the next roster spot, but. You know, it gets a little bit tougher from there. I mean, Raquel's having a great season. Uh, you know, Fowler as well, who could still make the blue line for for the USA. Um, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, it's going to be a very good uh, Swedish team. Uh, you know, they have a lot of depth at forward. There's a lot of guys performing uh, at a higher level than Raquel, and that's not to, to say anything bad towards Raquel. But you know, there's guys like Philip Forsberg out there too. The the Sedins who have a lot of history with the team. I mean, there's a lot of players out there that they could beat them out. But it would be nice to see him get on there. And and you know, for Fowler on the blue line for the U.S. Um, there's a couple of young guys moving up there too. You you never know. Uh, uh, over 23, obviously, with Team North America, but it's going to be tough for him to to make that team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, they talk about that. It's gonna, it is going to be tough, and you know, this is going to take place in the preseason. 
uh, you know, before the NHL regular season. What are your thoughts on that, Patrick? Because, you know, this always comes up, you know, being injured and uh, how it affects the NHL season. Uh, what do you think as far as the team playing, you know, uh, in the fall there before the regular season gets started? I think that it's it's a scary situation if, if uh, you're any NHL general manager here. Looking at the beginning of the season with all your you know your top stars going to be gone playing in uh, this World Cup, if someone were to get injured, that is obviously not going to bode well. Um, I got to wonder what it's going to be like in Canada, though. I see Carey Price here is on uh, the on the Canadian team. If he is shut down in Montreal right now and then gets a start here in the World Cup and gets re-injured, I, I got to believe that there's going to be some some rough situations up there in Canada. Um, I. I don't, I don't know. It makes me nervous as a Ducks fan, too. But anytime you want to offer me more hockey, I'm going to tune in and watch it. It's going to be great hockey, too. So it's, it's hard to look away as a fan. But as a GM, I'd be biting my fingers off. <laughs> I, I think I agree with you on both ends of that. I mean, it's definitely going to be more fun to watch. But, yeah, if you're a GM, you're going to want everything to, to work out and, you know, have uh, your full roster to come the NHL season. Um, you know, one other little bit of news that came up uh, this week in the NHL was uh, Yager uh, tying Gordy Howe. Uh, third all-time in points, uh, Eddie, and uh, you know it looks like uh, we'll see how he goes. But I mean, this guy—I mean, he's on Florida. I mean, he keeps on going at 44 years of age, and I mean, an amazing season too for Florida. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's an amazing feat, and, and it doesn't seem like, at least to me, that there's enough, you know, respect and coverage on on, on the feat that this is. I, I mean, a lot of people are, are, are look at it from the outside, saying, "Well, he's 44; he's been in the league for for so long. Of course, he's going to eventually, you know, break some of these records." But you know, if you look at the games played, he's actually played less games than Gordie Howe and, and Mark Messier, and he's gotten to this feat, you know, obviously quicker than they have. And, and I mean, he he's going to go down as a top 20 player. You know, you look at points per game; he's sitting at 18th, so he is one of the, the top 20 goal scorers of all time. So I, I mean, it's it's an amazing feat. And uh, if he wants to come back next year, he has a shot at Mark Messier. I, I mean, he's 37 points away, so he's definitely not going to get it this year. But there's a chance that by the time his career is done, he finishes second, only behind Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, and Patrick, what do you think? Do you think uh, Yager would come back next season, uh, you know, maybe try and get up there and get second? Or do you think uh, maybe this year might be the last year? I hope he plays until he's 80. Uh, I I love the mullet. I'd love to see the gray mullet uh, out on the ice there scoring goals. Uh, No, seriously, this guy's great to watch. He's a legend of the game. Um, I would love for him to to ride out for the sunset in in an Anaheim jersey if I could. That'd be awesome, but... uh, the, the feat he's accomplished here, I mean, I know it's been beaten to death all across the league, but imagine what he would have had had he not gone to the KHL. How much closer, he would already be over 800 goals. He'd be second all-time in goal scoring. There would be a possibility of him maybe catching Gretzky there for 894. I, I just, you can't say enough about that guy, and he's he's probably going to play a few more seasons, I imagine. And How about that Florida team? Everyone's been waiting for the for the. Uh, for them to fall off the top of the standings, they haven't done it. you got to put a lot of credit there on that team, and he's part of that leadership group there with all those young guys. So I'm happy for him. I think it's great. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, that Florida team, uh, Eddie and I talked about that too. I mean, you know, we've talked about Washington and how great they've been all season. But, I mean, you can't overlook Florida. I mean, that team has been on a roll too, Eddie. And, uh, you know, that that may factor in too if, if Yager and, and the Florida Panthers, uh, you know, go all the way. I mean, they have a really good shot at it. I mean, obviously they're battling it out with Tampa Bay, uh, but they have a good chance. You can't, you know, overlook them as well for the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, I mean they've got a good goaltender in Luongo. Obviously, he's he might even be up for for some Vesna nominations this year, and and a, a very young core which is getting better every game. I mean they've struggled a bit, and, and they've been kind of been victims to the fact that Tampa Bay's been playing so well, and they've won nine in a row now, so they've fallen off uh, the Atlantic Division lead. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, that their season's lost. They, they will most likely make the playoffs, and and I think yeah, that definitely factors into if Yager will come back. I'm sure the chance to catch Messier is is right in the back of his mind, as well as you know possibly uh, a chance at a cup this year and next year uh, if he stays with the Florida Panthers. Yeah, and we're just gonna have to you know keep our eye. I mean, there's, there's some good races going on in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, the you know the the key one in the Pacific Division that we're following. And uh, we'll keep you updated. We'll be back next week with a regular podcast. I do want to thank Patrick for coming on our show. Check him out on the Puck Guys. Uh, that's their name on Twitter. They're also on the Um Thanks for coming on, Patrick. We always like to have guests and, and work with other people, uh, you know, in the hockey world. Oh, you guys are great. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for our show. And like I said, we'll be back next week. And let's go, Ducks. <laughs>